Ephesians. Let me tell you all real quick, just a little understanding. I wasn't planning on doing a book study, but I really felt like in my prayer time it was what we were supposed to do. So if y'all don't know this about Ephesians, this is going to be brief, but Ephesus, if, if you're looking at the country of Turkey like this, this part faces what's called the Aegean Sea, and it's between Turkey and Greece, and it's very famous, the Battle of Troy with the Trojan horse and all of that stuff. That, that happens really close by to this. It's very close. Ephesus at the time was one of the most important port cities in the world. It was extremely wealthy. And if you got Ephesus, so if you were in another country, you could take over this, this particular port city. You were, you were taking over a lot of what was called Asia Minor at the time. It was a very important place, one of the most influential places in all of the world. So when Paul was writing the letter to this church, which is what this book in the Bible is, it was a letter to the church. It was not just to the city, but to the region. It was a very important place. And these people had understanding. They were very educated, but, but they lacked one thing in understanding, and it was their purpose or who they were. But the crazy thing about that is that's kind of all of us in this room, whether you come believing that you know what you're supposed to do and why you're supposed to do it, or if you came today and you're like, bro, I ain't got a clue, I'm glad you're talking about it. No matter where you are, we all find ourselves in the same boat because the reality is a lot of us don't know. But I'm here to tell you today, you were made for this. Come on, someone say, I was made for this. I was made for this. You were made for this. I want you all to know that every person is trying to answer these five questions. Now, you might be looking when I'm about to put these questions up saying, I ain't asked any questions today. My wife did all the talking on the way to church, right? My kids did all the talking on If you got kids, that's the truth. But, but we're all internally, even if we haven't, let it come out of our mouths. We're all internally asking these questions. Who am I? Where do I come from? Why am I here? What can I do? In other words, what, did I, what was I made to do? Not can I cut the grass, but was I made to cut the grass? Was I made to run a business? Was I made to do this? What am I made to do? Because I can't understand. Some of y'all said, well, I wasn't made to dribble a basketball. I wasn't made. That's fine. I agree with you. I've seen you, right? Come on. <laughs> come on. But the really biggest thing that we want to close with in this series is where am I going? So who am I and where am I going kind of, that, that's the, the sandwich pointer, the, the, the thing that butts together that tells us, it's, 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 I don't know who I am and I don't know where we're going and this all seems crazy and what in the world? Because I need y'all to know something. This really is just a lot of beginning stuff and it's not going to get good yet. But I need y'all to know that the truth of the matter is the saddest thing in life isn't when we die or when people die. It's the life that's lived without purpose. That's the saddest thing in life. Because this is the truth. Y'all look at me. The truth of the matter is everybody in here really does have potential. That's God's gift to you. He plants it in you once you're saved like seed. But what you do with it is what matters. Just because I have it doesn't mean anything unless I do something with it. And most of us live our lives, watch this. I'm talking to Christians in here, but eventually we're going to get to people that aren't. And it's exciting that you're here. I think it's awesome. But I need y'all to know that everybody that proclaims to be a follower of Jesus, we've been given an unbelievable gift from death to life. But we live our lives, listen to me carefully, like pitiful poor people who are hidden in the corner. And y'all listen, you got to get this. I'm not talking about stuff. I'm not talking about the size of your house. I'm not talking about how nice your car is. I'm talking about we conduct ourselves believing that we're pitiful, that we got nothing that we're hopeless, that they got all the power and we got all the ugh. 
that, we're, that there's really nothing we can do that we're defeated. And it reminds me of the story that I read about this lady. Isn't she pretty? Is that mean? I'm not allowed to say that? I, what if I was being serious? I wasn't. All right, here we go. Her name, she's been dead for like 106 years. Who cares? All right, here we go. She's not offended, I promise. Her name's Hetty Green. If y'all know finance, you might have heard of her. In the late 1800s, early 1900s, she was the wealthiest woman in America, maybe in the world. Hetty Green. She was known as the Witch of Wall Street, which I think is an awesome name. Y'all can Google it. I'm not lying. The Witch of Wall Street. But also, her name, her nickname was the American Miser. Now, some of y'all don't know what that means, but it means that she wasn't poor, but she acted poor. She acted like a beggar. As a matter of fact, let me just give you a little bit of background real quick. This is this lady, Hetty Green. Good gosh almighty, she makes my head hurt. If I was her kid, y'all, I'd have just, <laughs> I'd have been so mad at my mom's. How can you do this to me, mom? Her children did not know they were wealthy. And they had $200 million when she died. Y'all, in 1914, that's more than today. Matter of fact, the, the thing that I read, whatever said, that that's equivalent to between four and five billion in net worth today. Someone say billion. I don't know about y'all, but that's a lot. Matter of fact, we ain't got none of them in here. So how do you know? They ain't tithing. I'm preaching good. <laughs> but I'm telling the truth, for real. I'm kidding, but I'm telling the truth. We didn't got any 200 millions. I'm just being honest with y'all. But, but look, look, look. This is what's crazy about this woman. Her son had an accident when he was a teenager. I said 200 million. I just need to emphasize the fact 200 million. In 1914, when she passed, or sometime in the early 1900s, 200 million. She had plenty of cash, straight cash, homie. She had plenty, right? <laughs> she didn't want to pay for doctors, so she took him to a free clinic. Now, I don't know if y'all know this, but in the early 1900s, late 1800s, that wasn't good. Like, it's fine now. Praise God if you want to do it. If you can pay for it, though, you might as well pay for the best. Like, I'm going to the whatever, right? Emory, something. I'm finding the best leg doctor, and I'm getting them working on me. She sent him to the clinic. Watch. They knew she was because she was the richest woman in New York City, and they refused unless she paid. So she said, nope, he'll, get, he'll be fine. He had to have his leg cut off. <laughs> hey, does anybody else think that's crazy? That's crazy. But I think that's not as crazy as what I'm about to tell you. Every day she had oatmeal for breakfast. That's not crazy. That's fine. If y'all want oatmeal, praise God, you won't get the diabetes. That's what Wilford Brimley says anyway, so <laughs> you'll be good. You can, have the, you can have, I about said you can have the diabetes. You can have the oatmeal if you want to. But I recommend you heat the water up. This is what Hetty did. She didn't want to warm a pot and pay for the stove. I don't know if she talked like that, but we're going to pretend. So she refused to heat, boil a pot of water. She put regular, just cold water. If that is not, we're grossed out, right? Can we be grossed out together? It's just going to sit there. It's going to be flaky and nasty and crusty. And she would try to heat it by putting it on the radiator. She said, I'm already paying for the radiator. She did it every day. 
She had $200 million of net worth. She lived in government housing her entire life. Her kids did not know they were rich. And with all due respect, this woman, she might have been wonderful. I don't think she was, but whatever. But she's crazy. But I'm going to tell you the craziest thing. I think we're just like her. Because we live our lives just like this. And we look like this. And everybody in here would say, well, I'm not talking about physically now. <laughs> Stay with me. Y'all are going to make me run rabbit trails. <laughs> our lives appear that, you, you know, if, if you just polled, I'm not talking about in this room, people that follow Jesus or even someone that's interested. But someone that knows nothing about it, they would say, we're just angry. We hate people. But I promise you they don't think we have purpose. And the reason I think they think that is because, watch, they're right. We look our lives just like this, not knowing that we have all the riches of heaven given to us. Not, not maybe, but absolutely given to us. And yet we walk around like poor people wanting, begging, having legs amputated spiritually. And wondering, what's next? Why is it so easy for us to see Hetty Green was crazy? And yet we don't believe it about ourselves that we're blessed. This woman had $5 billion in today's money. Everybody in here is thinking, she's crazy. I wouldn't let my son go through that. I wouldn't. I would live in a, y'all have all, if, if, you, if you give yourself five seconds to think about $5 billion, y'all built a beach house somewhere. Come on. And yet spiritually we have so much more and we don't believe it. And we think she's crazy and we're not. Well, I'm telling you, it ain't true. And that's what Ephesians 1 is so beautifully about. And you can read this and miss it if you just read it like a, like a devotion. But this isn't intended. It's intended to be read like a letter with a point, with a purpose. And I want you all to see it starting in verse 3. It said, blessed be the God and our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed who? Say it loud. He blessed us. In Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Pause. That means that God knew you, knew you, knew you, and picked you out. And formed you before he ever said let there be light and made the earth. Before the foundations of the world in Christ you were formed and he knew you. You were created in Christ. Created means something from nothing. Made, you were made for this, means something from something. And so mom and dad made me, but God formed me. Mom and dad made me, but God created me. And what I was created in was not how this looks. Because the point is not how tall I am or what color I am or what sex I am or where I come from. The point is I was created in him. So, so the essence of this comes out of God. And if I can begin to understand this, I, I can begin to understand what my purpose is. But if I don't, I'll be frustrated my entire life. Because I'll be searching for humanity's answer, not realizing that I come from the seed of him. Yeah, I mean, if you miss this, y'all, I'm telling you, we're heady greens. And I'm telling you what I believe in the capital C church and even in Four Points Church is that's the case a lot of times. He said, I'm... I'm even as he chose me before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. 
In love, watch this, this is so cool, y'all. It's one thing I learned this week. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons, that's sons and daughters, through Jesus Christ. Watch this. I never knew this before. When I was studying this, I've preached this wrong, I'm sure. And most pastors have preached this wrong. Because I've always just assumed in the English the word adopted means I was an orphan and now I have a daddy and a mommy who gave me their last name. Are y'all with me? If you, if you agree with this, that that makes sense, say yes. Right? That makes sense. That's not what this is about. This is not implying that you were lost and now you're found. It's implying that you're a son or a daughter, but you're not mature. Just like I've, I've told y'all before, I would never hand my eight-year-old my keys. Why? Does that mean I don't love him? Nope. It just means he wreck it. Right? Eventually he'll get them because he has an inheritance because his last name's Pangle and he's mine. Well, we have a God who's our father who has a much greater inheritance for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And what he's saying here is, I predetermined your destiny that you would not stay a child. Or as Paul said in another letter to the city of Corinth, it's time to stop drinking spiritual milk and start being mature and being able to eat some real food. I've got a plan for you. But Galatians 4.1 says, as long as I'm a child, I'm no different than a bondservant. I'm bound. I can't be trusted with the fullness of what he's given me as an inheritance. So, I, but, but, but my predetermined destiny in Christ has everything to do with, y'all know like Jewish people go through a bar mitzvah, right? Jewish boys. And that means when they get to a certain age, they celebrate manhood. We would argue manhood's later, right? Come on. But what they're saying is, no, the age of maturity where you begin to understand is this, and you were destined to do it. But physical maturity is not the same as spiritual. And the reason we act like heady greens is because we have 50-year-olds who are acting like infants. And I'm just getting started. It's going to get gooder. Come on. Here we go. But he said, what's the purpose? Why did he do this? According to the purpose of whose will? Uh, whose will? It's his will. To the praise and glorious grace that he blessed us in the beloved. Here we go. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins or trespasses according to the, here it goes, it's a theme, the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. It's not saying that every once in a while he'll sprinkle you. Because I think that's how we think of God, right? God, if you'll just bless me, we don't have to pray for it. We just have to walk in it. I'm promised the blessing, but I miss it because of my mindset. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. According to whose purpose? Say it loud. His purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite. Y'all got to get this. It's so good. He wants to unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. And so what he does when he blesses you is not to bless you so you can go, I'm blessed. Look at me, clackety clackety. That's it. Your stuff does not mean you're blessed. Matter of fact, you can get stuff without God. Stuff is not bad, and sometimes stuff is God's blessing. But do not be fooled that blessing equals stuff. That is a lie from hell. If that's the only thing we associate with God's blessing, we have missed 99.9% .9 of what he's about. And I do not believe that God physically wants you to be without. But I, but I do believe God allows suffering so that you can get to where you're going. 
And if you ever believe this is about stuff, then you're going to be heady green just with a different mask on, if you will. Because he wanted to draw all things to himself. And guess who he wants to use? His people. Us. You're the plan. (laughs) Jesus came and left. And instead of the presence of God having to stay in a human temple made by human hands, God said, I'll create a temple. I'm about to preach, and this wasn't even in the notes. Made by my hands. And I'm going to breathe into the dust, and I'm going to make a temple. Plam! And make a temple, make a temple, make a temple, make a temple. And then my temple can go all over the world. It doesn't have to just be in one place. And the Holy of Holies can travel all over everywhere. But I can't operate on my own. I miss it. And this temple of God becomes heady green. And I beg and act poor and miss it. And I've missed destiny. I've missed purpose because I get so focused in Mark. God did not make this shell called a human being so that I'm the point but so that he's the point and he can live through me, so that, he can, so that he can be shown everywhere. So look, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 16, and, and I'm paraphrasing for time, but it says that my inheritance in Christ, I have an unbelievably great inheritance. And then that, watch, this is so important that the Holy Spirit is the guarantor and the down payment. In other words, Sometimes I don't believe that that car or that house is really mine, but if I can make a down payment and I begin to make payment on it, I start believing it. And even though I don't own my house today, if I've made a down payment on it and I make payments, I will begin and someday it'll be paid for. Well, that's the Holy Spirit in you. And the more you mature, the more you believe and you walk in your inheritance. And over time, in him, someone say in him, not in you, in him, I receive more and more. Let's go back to that song from Grace. To grace. He doesn't take you grace to grace so he can smile and say, look how pretty, look how awesome. But so that he can give you what he's bestowed is what the Bible says on you, in you, so that I can have my full inheritance to accomplish why he put me on this planet in the first place. It's not about me. And then it's really trying, before you get to the end of this uh, verse 16, it, he wants you to know that true riches come from God, but that's just the, the beginning part. This is where the message gets good. I hope y'all are ready because I'm about to preach myself to a sweaty fit. It says, so what's the point? That that the God of of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give me and you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. That things that I don't naturally understand in wisdom and don't naturally have my eyes open to in revelation... In him, I can understand. Why? Why do you want that? Having the eyes of my heart enlightened. This is it. Having the eyes of my heart. Why am I heady green? This is kind of where the center of this message is. And on both sides, it draws to this. It is, this is it. That I can have the eyes of my heart enlightened. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Not he's called Mark. Everybody ain't called to be a pastor. But everybody's called by God to do something in him. And when I believe that I'm just nobody and I stink and look at me and I'm awful and we start beating ourselves up and proclaiming all the things that he has not said about you, then I come into agreement with Satan and I live my life like a poor person when I have all the riches of heaven bestowed on me if I walk in it. He says, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And I learned something this week that I thought was the coolest thing I'm going to teach, especially the young people something. 
because I think y'all are young enough maybe to not even know what I'm about to show you. But this just stuck out to me as I was reading through it and praying through it, and I knew I was doing chapter one. And the eyes of my heart enlightened, kept jumping off the page. So I looked up, what does the word enlightened mean in the Greek, the original language? And look at this, enlightened means, say this word, it's not that difficult. It sounds like it's, it's use phonics, right? Photizo, which sounds like the English word photo, right? Which is, it's where we get it from. Same exact word. And it, this is me taking copy and paste from the Greek dictionary, exposing and overcoming darkness. Like the ignorance or prejudice that causes that's caused by sin. And so if you, if, you, if you think about just Bible for a second, the author of Hebrews says, I want you to throw off the things and sin that entangles you and fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because if, your eyes, if the eyes of your light are in, enlightened, you'll be able to see where you're supposed to go. And as long as your eyes are not enlightened, because how many of y'all know it's not about your eyesight, but it's about your insight? That you can see all you want to see, but you might not see what he wants you to see. And as long as I can't see, I mean, y'all have, y'all have been through the woods before without a flashlight. Come on, country people. And no matter how well you know those woods, you will hit a tree, right? Like, how many times have I walked through this? I'm supposed to be on the trail. Because you got to be able to see. And a little bit of light does the, a world of good. But I'll tell you what was like a light bulb for me. I realized that this really was as I dug a little more and got into the original text and tense. And I realized this really is about that what it looks like today is not what it's about. And if I believe that it's about what I think it's about, because that's all I know, I've been exposed. Someone say exposed. To this, and that's all I've been exposed to, and that must be what's the end. But we don't take the picture or the point that he's saying here in what actually has to take place. And so I brought this to show you. Can someone tell me what this is? It's a negative. I have it here too. Young people, y'all never seen this because y'all got digital cameras, right? Your whole life you're like, what in the world is that? That's crazy. When we were growing up, let me just tell y'all, right? Matter of fact, I'm not even going to say growing up. When we got married... Come on, people. This is what we used to have to do. This feels like Little House on the Prairie right now. I'm taking y'all down memory lane. We had to take these things because, y'all, we didn't watch. I'm just going to blow your mind. Now, when we're on trips, clickety-clackety, right? We have our nice phones, and they have unbelievable cameras on them. Back in the day, we had to wind up. (laughs) Dang it, you took all the pictures, and that's the last one. Then you got to wind it. Y'all remember? Then you wind it for like an hour. Some of y'all are like, I have no idea what you're talking about, preacher. But when you got done, if I had 24, 36, however many, you had to take this to Walgreens, huh? To the Costco's. And you took it up, Walmart, because it was cheaper. And you got doubles for 10 cents. We talked about this last night. Why did we get doubles? We didn't even use one. This has nothing to do with the message. Y'all just go with it. But we took these things. Now, this is how pictures used to be developed. I need y'all to put yourself in this place because we're talking about you. 
You used to have to take this. I know y'all know this, so y'all better talk to me. You used to have to take these, and for a picture to be developed, you had to take them to what kind of room? I'll be dang. Overcoming darkness, huh? That he wants to take me from darkness to light. That the eyes of my heart are enlightened. How many of y'all have let something negative determine your life? You've let the negative things that come in your way be what you have described your life as. And I hope that everybody in here, if you won't, I'm going to keep preaching and sweating until hopefully it gets across. But I hope everybody in here believes that there's a great picture, a great purpose that God has painted and planned for your life before the foundation of the world. But you can't see it clearly. Why? Because right now it's in the form of a negative. And as long as I try to see when it's negative, I can't see. So, 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 so maybe I got to get in the dark room. And during the process, during the process, during the process when he's working, I can't stand it. When we mess this scripture up where we say, well, it's okay that so-and-so died because God works. It's good. He works all things for good. No, it says he works all things. It didn't say it's good. I'm going to free y'all of a, th- of, a, of a bad thought process. That ain't good. COVID-19 is not good. <laughs> if God said it is, he did not. Don't say it if he didn't. It's going to be, but it's got to go through the process. You know what I think we do? I think in the middle of the dark room, when we can't understand what's happening, when the process has to take place, because there's several things that have to take place in the dark room for pictures to fully develop. I think in the middle of your development, in my development, a lot of times when it's negative, and it's hidden, and it's in the dark place, and it's being exposed to light, which has to happen, and some chemicals, which has to happen, and then they're hung and dried, which has to happen. As we're being exposed and changed, we quit because we say it's negative, and we scratch the negatives and say this will never be there. Well, once I begin to do this for myself... I don't know what it's supposed to look like because I'm not smart enough to be able to figure it out. I'm not God. I'm not the one who takes and puts me in the dark place and lets me be developed and lets change happen. And even when I can't understand it, I let God do the work because I know that he's not done if I'm still breathing. And as the negative is taking place, I realize that if I let the process do what it's supposed to, that eventually I'll have an exposure to the light, to the picture, because God has painted it, not me. And a lot of times I think it's because we thought the negative was going to be something other than it is, so we give up because we wish the picture was something else. But if you just embrace the fact that God painted the picture, you'll get to see it. But I think most Christians give up in the process and never get to see the picture that God painted. I'm preaching. Negative circumstances often lead to doubt and disbelief. Listen, this is what I believe causes us to not be developed. Which causes us to be heady greens. Because if we could absolutely understand inside that dark room what the photozeo was supposed to be. What the picture of my life was supposed to be. I'm not saying that there's not negative places. I promise there are. I'm not saying there's not a dark room. It is absolutely dark. But I'm saying for some of you, I believe we've given up. When the light was about to be turned on and you crunched it up and said, enough with this. I don't trust God anymore. 
Everything that's happened up to this point, I'm convinced in your life and in my life was so that we could be developed. Not all of us have the same level of development at this time because some of us have left the dark room too soon. Some of us so desperately want to be exposed that we've let light be exposed that's not healthy at the time and you didn't get developed and it crushed you. It crumpled you and you can't understand why this is happening. Why do I not look like? Why does this not? Because you weren't ready to handle what God had for you yet. He wanted to put you in the dark place and let the negative be changed. Without the dark place and the negative, my picture can never be developed. Then look, this is what, this is so good, y'all. It just ties in so perfectly. This next verse is in Revelation, or in Ephesians, excuse me, says the revelation is given so that I can understand all of God's riches in those next several verses in chapter 1 are literally talking about that. And then this is it. it. It says in the first few verses of 2 that before I knew Jesus, I was dead in my sin. I had no hope. I had no relationship. I had no understanding. And so everything was on me. And all my purpose was on me but God. Someone say, but God. I don't know if there's any better words in all the Bible but God. I could run a lap right now. I don't care if anybody else is happy. My God, I don't deserve what I have but God. I don't deserve the riches but God. I don't deserve to be a son but God being rich in his mercy because of the great love which he loved us even when we were dead in my own sin, in my crap, in my shame, in the things that I should never be forgiven for, in my trespasses made me alive and made you alive together with Christ. By grace, I've been saved through faith and raised up and he raised us up and seated us, y'all, this is what's so cool. He didn't seat you to be seated. He seated you to give you a new place. That's how you get elevated. That's how grace to grace happens. He seats you. He places you. He moves you from this place to this place. But only when you know you. Only when you know you don't deserve it. But in Christ Jesus, I have it. I don't have to beat myself up because he already paid the price. He who knew no sin became sin so that I could be the righteousness of God. So I can operate as a son, not a beggar but I still get to lead the life of a servant. I just don't beat myself up like I'm still one of them. And it says so that in the coming age, in the coming ages, in the coming ages, in today, when people see us tomorrow, when we go through life, in everything that we do in every single age, the purpose is that God's church should be able to be the revelation so that the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us are in Christ Jesus. So that everybody wants what we got. Why? Because we have stuff? Nope. Because we have peace and joy and hope in the Holy Ghost. That's why that inheritance that was placed in me, now I operate from it and now everybody wants what I got. It says, for by grace, this is a very common, popular passage. Everybody knows this, but if you pluck it out, it doesn't make sense like it does now, does it? By grace, I've been saved through faith. And this is not of my own doing, it's not of my works. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. So that, so that I can't say, look what I've done. And if you're not saved in here, all that salvation is, is, is saying this. I'm dead on my own. I'm hopeless without God. And if I don't trust Jesus as Savior, I'll spend eternity in hell. And I'll live a life here purposeless. But for everybody that is, watch this. This is how I want to close. Because I think this is the coolest verse. And that 17 and 18, that the eyes of my, light, eyes of my heart are enlightened. It, it, it's like perfectly woven to here. We are his workmanship. 
You could translate this masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for, what's the purpose? Say it loud. For good works. So you were saved by faith, not of works. But once you're saved, it's all about works. You're saved, not anything you did. But if you just get saved, you know, this is what we hear all the time. And I'm sorry to ruin people's bad theology, but I'm just going to ruin it. You know, I'm saved, so it don't matter. Hmm. Well, I don't know that that's true based on this because I was saved for. The Bible never says I was saved so I get to go to heaven. Did you know that? I am saved so I get to go to heaven. But that's not why he wanted me saved. That's not the purpose of my life, to get out of hell free and just live my life however I want to, calling it freedom, not, not ever questioning who am I, why am I here, what's my purpose in Jesus. He said, no, 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 you're, you're God's workmanship creating Christ Jesus, which God prepared beforehand that I should, I need y'all to say these orange words out loud, that I should, that I should walk in them. Look at what the word walk means. It means to walk around or properly it's a complete circuit coming in full circle that I should walk in them watch this is what I think is the problem as we live our lives in the dark places when it's negative and I'm being developed and it feels like I'm just repeating a cycle because it, it feels like I'm just going in circles does anybody know what I'm talking about in here? It feels pointless. What's the point, God? I'm too, I, I've elevated from that. God, I should not, I'm 40 years old now. God, I shouldn't have to do this and this and this. And, and I tell God no for the circuit that he called me to. And what ends up happening is I feel like it's negative and what it is is the development process because I feel like maybe this is just me, but I don't think it is. I feel like what I tell God sometimes is, hey, God, there's point B. So, hello, this is all we got to do. Let's do it. But you're not going in circles if you're following him for the sake of going in circles. Every time you go around, you go higher. Every time you go around, you go higher. But grace to grace, glory to glory can't happen on your own. And if you could just skip steps, all of us would do it. I, I don't think you're bad for that. I'd do it. But the problem is when we tell God no in the process, in the development when we feel like we should be farther along and they should see me. Come on, I know it's not just me in this room, but I've been there many times. They should see me. They should recognize I'm this, I'm that. And we put ourselves on pedestals that God hadn't called us to. The crazy thing is, no matter how hard we fight, we're just like the earth compared to the sun. We can fight all we want to, but we're going to go around the sun. The problem is, if we don't let the development process take place, we don't get to go in circuit. We choose to be stuck in cycles. Because this is the bottom line. For every person in the room, our two options are to be trapped in cycles of sin and self or to, or to walk in complete circuit in Christ. And when I'm trapped in cycles, it stays in the negative. It never gets exposed to what God wants it to be exposed to, which is my circumstances, my life, everything that I'm in. You know who I end up getting mad at? This is crazy. It's irony. I get mad at God. Oh, you might not be able to admit it, and I might not want to admit it. Let me say it that way to y'all. But it's true. God, how'd you let this happen? I feel like if God spoke back to us like I'm speaking to you, he would say, 
dude, why didn't you let the development finish? If you could have seen the full picture of what it looked like, but in the middle of that dark room, when it was negative, you took yourself out. And the world can never see what it's supposed to look like in me. And you can never have the eyes of, an, of your heart enlightened. And you can never go in your purpose. And for the rest of your life, you'll be frustrated. You'll think that I did something to you. And the only thing he did to me was lavish me with the riches of heaven. The only thing he did to me was call me a son of the Most High. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care where you come from. I don't care if you don't have a pot to pee in, so to speak. Or if you're the most wealthy person in the room. We are all the same at the foot of Jesus at the cross. We're all the same. I'm telling you. And he's lavished us with what we've been called to. There is nothing we won't have that we need to accomplish his purpose. But we walk around like we can't even pay for health care. We, we can't even warm our oatmeal up like beggars, spiritually speaking. So this is how I want to close it. We inherit heavenly wealth by faith. And you can't do anything about that. It's grace through faith that you inherit it. What I'm talking about today is not just if you inherit it. What do you do when you get it? Like the parable of the talents that the two that doubled it were called blessed and the one that just kept it to themselves was wicked. That's many of us in this room because our investment happens by our walk. And I thought about this because I love to talk about this and I know this is repetitive, but I don't think I can say it enough. I'll never forget till the day that I go be with Jesus, August 4, 2001 which is the day that the church doors opened and she walked the aisle, the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my whole life. I'm so thankful for that day. Y'all, I started crying, my lip quivered, and my God, when that happens, right? It ain't the same as when your lip quivers, I can just tell you. And the camera shot straight in on me. Like, quit, that ain't nice, right? Such an awesome day. I remember so many things about it. But we've been married 19 years. Y'all, 19 which means that the only day that I ever celebrate or ever think about is the wedding day, then maybe I've missed the point of walking with my wife every day. You know the day that I'm excited about is not August 4th. I love to celebrate that day and next year will be 20 and praise God. But I'm excited about today walking with her. Well, in the same way, we focus our energy and our attention individually on the day we got married to Jesus because he's the bridegroom and we're the bride of Christ, but what about the walk? Because if the only thing we remember is we were married, then yes, she has an inheritance and I have an inheritance and we're tied to each other. But if we don't know each other, if we don't walk together, if we don't spend, spend time together and dream together and love each other, then the only thing we did is got hitched. But we didn't really enjoy a life together. We didn't build a home together. We didn't build our dreams together. We just got married because there was nothing better to do and I feel like that's how we act with Jesus is there's nothing better to do so let's try him and we miss the inheritance and many of us in this room have 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 raised our hands have meant it with our hearts have said a prayer but we've stayed put our entire lives wondering what's wrong with God and I feel like he would say what's wrong with you you can walk in the coolness of the day with me you can be with me all the time and it's not always going to feel good there's going to be many bad days there's going to be days that I just want to throw the towel in there's going to be but if I don't throw the towel in when it's negative I'll be fully developed and my investment will begin to be invested and I don't have to be smart I don't have to know the stock market I just have to keep walking and I have to keep walking and as it looks like it's just going redundant in a circle not making sense I'm going higher and I'm going higher pretty soon the riches in heaven that I get to have I'm telling you the Bible says I don't just get to give them to Jesus in heaven but we get them here and now
I get to see that investment grow and grow and grow and grow in Christ. And I can look and say, wow, you gave me this, but look what you did in me. Because you receive it through faith, but you invest it in walk. So I'm telling you, you were made for this. Now let's walk it out. You were made for this. Let's walk it out. No longer are we going to let negative determine our future or our outcome. We're going to know that the picture is being painted and we're going to trust him in everything. Come on, do you agree? In everything. So here's how I want to close service. They could not have picked a better song. It's called The Blessing. Y'all have heard it, some of you. I want you to sing it differently. Will you do that for me? I'm not, if you need to come up here and pray, then do it. We got staff people. We got people that'll pray over you. But listen, I want this to be you and God. Joint with your people in this room. We are joint heirs of Jesus. And I want you to sing honestly about the blessing that he called you to. Not just that you get one, but you're going to walk in it. That your children and their children will be blessed. That a thousand generations will be. Why? Because you chose to be the one that said, I don't care how negative it is and how dark it is. I'm going to let the development take place in my children and their children. That song changes meaning when you know the song's not about you. Because I'm not blessed to be blessed. I'm blessed because he wanted me to be blessed to accomplish his purpose in my life. So stand and raise your hands and sing this song. Y'all, it is perfect for this message. And the words are unbelievable because it's not about us. It's about God. So believe it and stand and let's sing together. You are blessed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.